Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away until eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here ends our message. Praise be to God. We usually, through most of the year, hear stories of Jesus ministering, healing, preaching. Here we have a time to come when the king will ascend the throne. I mentioned the Psalms of Ascent earlier. There was a festival every year in ancient Israel when they ascended to the holy place, not thinking they could crown God king, but to acknowledge that he is. So we still have that in the church calendar as it happens the last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday, we'll yell Happy New Year to each other as we start Advent, because that's the beginning of our, our church year. If we don't have a king, I know we're Americans, we wince at the thought, fought two wars to avoid that, a couple more to keep other people from having it forced on them. But if we don't have a king, 
in our hearts and our lives, Satan and the world will try to fill that spot for us. If we don't have somebody to whom we are responsible, somebody whose, whose word better than our human nature, okay, yes, God created us, and in the Garden of Eden, we bungled it up, and we're still flawed. I had a, a phrase in the wedding ceremony that I use when, when I ask God to make the, the life together of a newly married couple a sign of his love and grace to a sinful and broken world. And one couple say, can't you take that out? We don't really believe this is a sinful and broken world. Have you been looking? Have you read the news lately? What do you mean it's not a sinful and broken world? We just don't like that at our wedding. Okay. All right. It wasn't worth it if they didn't get the meaning, was it? We have a king. King to whom we owe our very lives. You know, you, you bow to a king or queen. I think I've mentioned before, does anybody remember the symbolism of bowing to a king or a queen? You're presenting the back of your neck to the sword wielded by the magistrate. Our very lives are held in thrall by a true king. That's why for us, and glad I'm an American, I guess, but that is God. God is my only true king. So what does the king command of us before we stand before his throne to be judged? And we actually get a scene of Jesus coming in glory and judging. I know it's, it's a funny, puny thing, but every time I hear a certain football player referred to as the goat, I keep thinking he's going to the left instead of the right, and it bothers me, okay? I know I'm taking it all out of context, but that's one of the hazards of being a preacher. When I hear goat, I think left, not right. I can't help it. And I don't mind goats, actually. They're kind of cute, but anyway. Jesus gives us a list of things that we did or didn't do when we stand before his throne. Now, do we have to do these to be saved? Or are these really the hallmarks of those who have been saved by Christ and then react in gratitude to him? These have been the actions of the church from the time they were meeting in living rooms quietly in secret or the catacombs under Rome. Or when they didn't have separate meeting houses and buildings ranging from a little white Tremont Congregational Church to the Grand Cathedrals and somewhere in between a very nice meeting house in Sutton. The reaction and gratitude of a true subject of the King of Kings is to show the same grace, mercy, forgiveness, and love that God put on his business card when he gave it to Moses when he introduced himself as the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's on God's business card as a subtitle. And he expects it of his subjects as well. Gracious. When we give that which isn't earned, maybe can't be. Merciful. When we refrain from giving someone something they do deserve. Many times that's very appropriate. Love, love as in the word chesed in Hebrew or agape in Greek, 
Chesed means love that acts, love that does. God's steadfast love, they call it in the Old Testament English, that means active love, love that acts in our lives. Agape, little different twist of meaning, but it comes out the same way. Agape is a love that cares at least as much about the one loved as the one doing the loving. Not in our flawed human nature in this sinful and broken world, is it? To love someone else a little more than we love ourselves. I used to ask these young, almost lieutenants, they were cadets when Kathy and I ran a an engaged couples retreat for the cadet chapel. And by the time we were doing it, at least half of the, the women fiancés were also going to be lieutenants. They were cadets as well. And we'd read the appropriate scripture passages about how husband and wife to, were to regard each other. And I said, gentlemen, are you ready to love the woman next to you as Christ loves us? Yes, sir. You ready to die for that woman? The room went quiet. The ladies are going, come on, tell him, tell him, tell him. And they had to think about it. And that's how much agape love is. And Jesus ratchets that way down. We're not expected to die for someone. Feed them, give them something to drink, clothe them, give them comfort, visit them if they're in prison. And in that day and age, as in some parts of the world today, being in prison didn't necessarily mean you were in the wrong. Somebody else found you that way. And, of course, when they looked at prisoners, often prisoners of the Roman Empire, having fallen afoul of whatever the conquering heroes determined was going to be wrong. And Jesus says, when you do it for any of the least, the least of my brothers and sisters, you do it for me prayer that we read this morning that is ascribed to St. Francis. Don't go into the literary background that will only disappoint you, but has his name on it. There are several stories told about St. Francis. He was uncomfortable and dissatisfied because he was born into wealth. He hadn't earned it. And the more faithful he became, the more he wondered, should I really have this? What should I do with it? Ultimately, we're told he went to the edge of town, left his horse and his clothing right where he was and walked off with nothing, literally. I told you some of the saint stories are colorful. But a little less colorful one is he's out riding and he sees the leper. Unclean, unclean. At least four cubits away, mask over the face, all the things that went with leprosy. Something moved him to get down off his horse and embrace the leper. And he recorded later that for a moment he saw on that leper, not the leper, but the face of Jesus. For him, a vision, miracle, but it put him in perspective. Now, I can refer to him in little David only in the past tense. My son, some of you have met him. He dwarfs me. But when he was still der kleine David in a German preschool, we went to a St. Martin's Umzug, a St. Martin's procession. As it happened, St. Martin's Day is our Veterans Day, which fits because St. Martin was a soldier. Martin of Tours. He was stationed in Gaul, what we would call France. And Martin was riding his Roman steed in his Roman uniform. He was a soldier. 
And it was very cold, and he had that red cloak on that was part of the uniform. And you don't give up part of your uniform lightly if you're in service. And a beggar was at the gate begging for anything Martin had to give him. Being a soldier, Martin didn't have much in his pockets. But the beggar was turning blue and shivering. So Martin took off that red cloak, kind of ragged and threadbare. He'd been on campaign. But he took out his sword and the beggar jumped. Martin cut his cloak in half with the sword. Sheathed the sword and gave half of the cloak to the beggar. Martin reported later that he had a dream. He saw Jesus in heaven being attended and celebrated by all the angels, but instead of the purple sash, Jesus was wearing a threadbare piece of red cloak. One of the angels said, Lord, why are you wearing that thing? He said, because my servant Martin gave it to me. And she remembered. Out of that, by the way, comes a word, chapel. Place where military gather to worship. It's also come to mean a small kind of a side church to a big cathedral. Chapelle means piece of a cloak. So when Martin's regiment, after he was martyred for his faith, carried the other half of the cloak with them. And when the Christians in the regiment gathered to worship in the legion, they gathered around Martin's cloak. And the very place became known as La Chapelle, the chapel, the place of gathering. Jesus said, my servant Martin gave it to me. In all this season of talking about giving, whether it's Conrad the cobbler giving a loaf of bread or a cup of milk, whether it's Martin giving his cloak, maybe it's just Francis giving an embrace. We have the opportunity to give in so many ways. Yes, this checkbook giving, and it has meaning because we, we give in worldly terms. Yes, this collecting food for the food pantry or hats and mittens or all the other ways. But to be giving of our love, to be giving of empathy and care, to give a shoulder to cry on and encouragement when someone needs it. Maybe they're under that dark wave I've talked about so deep they can't quite see the light at the surface. Shine the light for them. Because in doing so, you're shining a light for the footsteps of Christ himself. That's how we are to regard each and every one. And it's easy maybe with the folks we gather in church. You may meet people during the course of the week I don't know, a little less fetching? How do we word that gently? But the giving, the loving, the caring for one another. We also prayed for peace. What is a greater root for peace than having that kind of regard for each and every person you meet? I've said, and I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but in any given relationship, if there's going to be a jerk, don't be the jerk. Offer the love, offer the openness, because when it's received, better still when it's reflected, what a wondrous reflection of the love of our King, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you. 
for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.